College Hockey Southwest Weekly is brought to you by Bell Ford, the Arizona Ford Giant at 2401 West Bell Road in Phoenix, T-Mobile, home of America's largest 5G network, by College Bar and Grill at 740 South Mill Avenue in Tempe, the ASU fans home away from home, Jesse Ray's Barbecue in Las Vegas, voted best of Las Vegas two years in a row. Roger Klein's Cancion Tequila, award-winning tequila since 2011. Cold beers and cheeseburgers. 12 Valley locations serving the finest in craft beers and handcrafted burgers. Behind the Mask, serving the Valley hockey community since 1994. OxyPow, our chemical-free line of cleaning products gets the funk out of your equipment or office. M-Drive, for energy, stamina, recovery. Ice Den Scottsdale, practice home of the Arizona Coyotes, also in Chandler. College Hockey Southwest Weekly is part of the IcetimeHockeySW.com network. Here are your hosts, Scott Strandy and Paul Hornstein. All right, welcome in hockey fans in the desert southwest and the United States, Canada, anywhere you might be listening to us on Podbean. We are live, Scott Strandy joining you from Kansas City, Missouri tonight. Paul Hornstein, my co-host as always from Long Island, New York. Uh, Paul, how are you? Uh, We're doing good. Uh, Hopefully I have uh, some of these uh, headphone issues figured out Uh, I know the people listening don't care, but uh, I was starting <laughs> but to you go want to hear something? <laughs> well, I know I just I was starting to go deaf from how you know when we when we you know started using this mixer and well the technical mumbo jumbo. I couldn't figure out how to lower the sound on my headphones and not Did you make figure my it out yet or not yet. I think so. I think so. Okay. Not okay. make my head explode, but you know. Hey. Well, you sound good. That's the yeah. important part to the rest of us. Uh, we just care how true. you sound. Well, yeah, but I want to be able to hear after I'm done. <laughs> Good point. Good point. All right. It is another College Hockey Southwest Weekly podcast. As always, we talk NCAA hockey. There's stuff to talk about again, Paul. Uh, the guys are getting on the ice. They're doing a little uh, skating. The coaches are going to get a little time with them pretty soon, or if not already. Um, what do you know? Um, it's It's weird because – not because they're on the ice and not because they're getting coaching. Uh, it's that this didn't break on a Wednesday after we were done with a podcast. <laughs> True. <laughs> True. You know, this was actually predictable. Um, it, they're obviously for those that, and, you know, these are things you learn as you get more involved uh, in the game of college hockey. These are not practices the the coaches' times with players at this point is still limited. Um, you know, as of I, whatever date was last week, or maybe it was yesterday, Monday. Who knows? I, I'd have to look up the exact date. But I think for the most part, until October first, they're limited to how many hours a week they can give the play. They're allowed to be on the ice with the players. It's four hours a week. And I don't know if that's going to ch- that that October first date changes because there's no games. Yeah, I, I, but, I made a comment, Paul. I made a comment earlier today, and that might uh, this might help continue your your discussion. There is that um, what's weird about this is that 
not so much that they're getting back on the ice and all of that, but they're getting on the ice with at least no known direction. I mean, we don't know for sure. There's no schedule out yet. We don't know if uh, they're going to start games in October, in November, December, January. We just have no idea. So without that, it seems odd that they're going through the drills because they're they're practicing for what would appear to be a season. We just don't know when the season starts. Well, that's okay because uh, the, the, the Pac-12 and the Big Ten don't know when their football season is going to start. Uh, <laughs> and there's so games the other, this weekend. <laughs> well, I don't – listen uh, – uh, I don't, you know, we, we, we have gotten around the edges of the political battles. <laughs> uh, you know, this is not, this is not my Twitter account where I will flat out say things there that I don't hear. Um, because that's not what this is supposed to be. Uh, it's not what it's supposed to be, but sometimes that's what it turns into be uh, uh, only because of the pandemic. But, I mean, what? Well, right, world, exactly. You uh, um, but, you know, at, at least guys are back on the ice and the coaches are with them. It's a sliver of normalcy. Right. Is, is that fair enough to say? Absolutely. It is. Absolutely. It is. You know, guys are still transferring and, and, and going from one school to the other. Uh, I I don't remember if we got into uh, uh, Matt Martinson uh, going from Alaska to Providence, and uh, you guys had Rob Starber on was it la- last week, and his kid transferred from Minnesota yeah, last State Wednesday. to Providence. Yeah. So yeah, Wednesday. Of course, it was Wednesday. Uh, <laughs> um, so that kind of stuff is still going on, but. Um, you know, it's it's uh, like I said, it's a sliver of normalcy with uh, coaches getting out on the ice with their players, uh, and the coach, at least Coach Powers, has been quoted as saying that uh, one of the things that they can really do now with this time is really, really focus on working on some things because they're not worried about, at least not yet opening night, which is probably not going to happen at the earliest Thanksgiving weekend. Maybe. And we don't we don't know where opening night is. <laughs> or where is it or it is it but that's fine. I mean that's Are there a, gonna be any fans there? Media we don't we don't we don't know. That's I mean that's irrelevant to be honest with you in terms of the discussion uh, with us talking about the act, the teams themselves, and this is obviously not just ASU. This is everybody uh, getting on the ice with the coaches now. Uh, so uh, the coaches are going to have a lot of time. I am sure that they have already broken down a lot of film. I am sure that they've had a chance to tweak, double tweak, and triple tweak their practice schedules and exactly what they're going to work on with each player. Because I don't think most schools have their players all on the ice at the same time right now. So I'm sure that that's part of uh, what – when we say that they're allowed on the ice with four – is it four hours per player? 
So in other words, if you have <laughs> if you have thirty guys on your roster, right, and you're splitting those groups up into three groups of ten, are you allowed four hours? It's got to be four hours per ten. Yes. Oh, yes. right. Because yeah. it can't it's be, be equal for every player. Absolutely. Yeah, it can't be. Uh, you get a grand total of four hours if you split up your squad into three squads uh, for health guidelines. I mean, it did that. Yeah. Just doesn't yeah. make any sense at all, and I don't even know why I would bring it up other than it's what floated into my head as I'm speaking. <laughs> well, here. That's so, scary. That's scary. Well, <laughs> the fact that there's anything in between my ears is is scary to begin with, let alone ideas. I mean, well, those usually die lonely deaths. Well, let me tell you, tonight we've got a great guest on. We had uh, his brother a couple of weeks ago. Um, I had a chance to see his current coach in Dubuque uh, a week ago last Monday. So um, we're going to be bringing Riley Stewart on with us in just a minute. I want to give you a background on this kid, though. Uh, He's a hockey player starting first and foremost, but a very good student, a very talented player, and I know his coach in Dubuque has got a lot of high praise, but also a lot of high expectations for Riley to move on. So without further ado, let's bring on Riley Stewart, the the Awatuki, Arizona product, who is uh, going to be starting his second year at uh, Dubuque with the USHL Fighting Saints, and that's going to happen, uh, from what I understand, the first part of October. So, Riley, you got Scott and Paul with you. How are you tonight? I'm doing good. How are you guys? Fantastic. Thanks for joining us. Uh, I've been uh, texting back and forth with you along the way because I told you I was going to uh, to see your old coach, and and you told me we had to talk before, uh, what, September 11th, because there's some wisdom teeth coming out then, right? Yeah, unfortunately. <laughs> I'm a little worried about it, but we'll, we'll see how it goes. Hopefully it's not too long off the ice, but it's whatever. Uh, well, look Come on, at this it. is hockey. What are we talking about missing some teeth? Come on. <laughs> That's what I was going to tell you. At least this is planned. It's not going to be a uh, a stick to the face or something like that for him. So it'll come out easy, and you'll uh, you'll have your parents and probably your brother getting some goofy videos of you while you're uh, under anesthesia. Yeah, I know it's scary. Well, you got I something to look forward to, right? Tooth. Yeah, I already got one fake tooth in front, so hopefully there's no more. Only one? That's that's yeah, not bad. Uh, yeah, not even from hockey. So. Okay, now that's weird, but okay. Uh, okay, so so Riley, it's great to have you on. I told you in the lead-in that uh, I talked to your coach, Oliver David. Uh, he he was so excited to start talking about you after I was talking about the current players that we forgot all about talking about Mr. Copperud, and uh, we moved right on. So I got to do something special for him as his, uh, his freshman year at uh, ASU continues, but... Uh, tell us about Dubuque, Iowa. You've had a chance to be there for a year. What was it like for you this last year? Uh, it was a little nerve-wracking first showing up. Uh, me and a couple other guys, we were there a few weeks earlier due to high school. I went to high school actually in the town in a brick and mortar, so that was kind of a cool part. And other than that, like the fans are they're awesome. They're crazy. Uh, good attendance in the games. They like, They recognize you when you're out in public. And most importantly, the Billet families, they're, they're awesome. It was really easy moving in there, and I got along with them very great, and I'm looking forward to another great year with them. Well, when I was there, um, Riley, I told Coach David when I walked into the building, and there was nobody there. It was just the two of us and maybe uh, a maintenance guy or two and maybe somebody at the front desk. But I, when I got into his office, I, I looked around the, the building first, and when I came into his office, I said, Coach, um, 
you know what I got when I got in this building? It's called Mystique, right? That's the name of the arena? Yeah, Mystique Community Ice Center. Okay. So I said, when I got into Mystique, I said, I got this feel. I mean, I got a feel like I could feel the game around me, and there was nobody there. And I know it's got to do with the red seats and the Hall of Fame and all the banners and everything. And then he started explaining to me that that was built strictly for the Dubuque Fighting Saints. Um, so when you get there for the very first time, did you get that feel too, or, or what was your first impression when you walked in? Well, before you even walk in, you got to cross a bridge to get on the little island in the middle of Mississippi, which is kind of <laughs> yeah, cool. Yeah, you do. <laughs> you really get the, the Midwest feel that we don't have here in Arizona. And then once you get there, it's just an awesome building. You walk up those stairs, and then it just opens up to the, all the red seats, and then they got the two banners hanging from the past. And it's really just an awesome junior hockey rink. Like it's, it's unbelievable to play in there, and the fans make it unreal. Paul, you got something for Riley? Well, what I usually like to ask is because, and this is because this is what I experienced. Uh, what was the culture shock like? Because I don't care what anybody says, Awatuki <laughs> is not Dubuque, Iowa, and vice versa. Yeah. How long it did was, that take to get over? Uh, it wasn't. It wasn't too bad because uh, my grandma and grandpa. Uh, they're from one's from Iowa and runs from Omaha, Nebraska. So I've been to Iowa and stuff before, so it wasn't too bad. But my billet parents uh, parents are actually farmers in Dubuque, so we went there a few times. That was a little different than <laughs> the desert with all the cactuses and mountains. It's definitely yeah. way flatter. And then the hardest part was honestly probably the snow. In the mornings, <laughs> Going to school at like oh, 7 a.m. Yeah. and having to shovel my car out and then oh. snow off. It was awful, but I got used to it pretty quick. You heard that, right, Scott? Because now, <laughs> you know, in December and January, when, you know, or actually, you know, when, you're, when I'm telling you I don't want to hear about it because, you know, in July and August when it's 117, 25 days in a row i don't want to hear about it when i'm shoveling my car out of the way okay <laughs> stop it stop it right now i spent uh, 28 years of my life in northern minnesota so i know what it's all about um riley when you talk about that area when i i hadn't been to dubuque and gosh i've been 30 years so when i got there and i came in i thought wow i, I don't remember this being like this right it was all the old buildings and and like you say driving up and the bridge on the island in the Mississippi for the for the, the building and uh, it, it just brought back so many memories and then when I left and drove up towards Minnesota I got to see the the high points looking down on the Mississippi and wow what a splendid sight that is so I mean um, if you got to play somewhere away from home it's not a bad spot is it no it's actually a pretty good spot you got downtown that's older there's a there's actually quite a few good restaurants down there uh, and then once you kind of venture out a little bit more north, you have like the newer part of town and that's kind of where I live. And there's all like the modern restaurants such as like uh, Chick-fil-A, Culver's, Chipotle. And honestly, it's, it's the best of both worlds. You got the old and the new and every, everything that you'd want in a small town. And I think it's just a great place to play because the fans make it the best part. And I, I honestly love it a lot. The school was awesome. You got to meet, you got to be around other kids that weren't on your team and the teachers really worked with you to get your uh, school work done. And 
and the academic coordinator, Joanne, she is awesome. She helped me so much. And I honestly, I love the town. It's a great place. So you get to Dubuque last year and you've now been there for a year. What is the thing you noticed that has improved the most about your game in the one year that you were there? I definitely say my confidence level has gone up from being there and in camp in July, at the end of July. My confidence level definitely went up, and I've definitely adjusted to the speed. That's a big part about playing in the USHL and keeping my head up. Like With plays on the wall, I struggled with that in the beginning. I kind of worked around it, and then I, I've started to figure out how to make plays quicker, adjust to the speed, and play more physical, use my body to manage. Did you have to get used to the, uh, the the length of the schedule and 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 make adjustments, say in your workouts or some of your the things that you've done? Because now you're taking these long bus trips uh, as you're playing your schedule. It wasn't too bad of a change because playing for the Junior Coyotes, we we flew every other weekend across the country, so the travel wasn't too big of an adjustment, but. Definitely the, the time on ice during the week in the practices because I'd, I'd go to school until 11.30. I'd go straight to the rink, eat lunch there, and then I'd skate and then work out. We wouldn't leave until 5 p.m. So it was definitely a busier day, not as much free time. But after about a month or so, you figure it out and you get in a, a cycle and, and then you just find out to work and uh, improve your play. Riley, uh, Coach David told me, he says – Two things is enough for me. I don't need to know more than two things at a time. Uh, and he's probably told you that a million times, but he, he always says two things. And when he was telling me the two things when we were talking, he said, uh, I suggested to him, I said, so what I'm hearing and what I'm seeing from the Internet and everywhere else is that at Dubuque, it's school first, hockey second. Those are your two things. Come in, get them done, repeat, do it again the next day. Fair enough? Yeah, it's the want to learn and the want to get better. That's all. That's the big two things that they talk about. Okay, so when you're when you're there and you're actually going through that process, how much has that prepared you? Do you think for for what NCAA hockey will be like, whether it be uh, next year or the year after, whatever it might be uh, for you personally? But you've got a little lead in because you've got Connor that's uh, that's been playing with ASU and. How much have you learned from him or from others about what it's going to take to, to play at that next level? Uh, I've learned a lot. Connor's my role model, so that's that's part of the decision why I decided to come here because I'm, I'm hoping for the chance to play with him someday. And I've learned that you got to get your schoolwork done to improve on your hockey skills to take the stress off from the classroom. And if you're succeeding in the classroom, you'll most likely succeed on the ice. So that's kind of the way I've looked at it. And our, our mom and dad have definitely been – strict with us with getting our schoolwork done so that we can go have fun at the hockey rink. And I think if you're having fun at the hockey rink, you're getting better and you have the want to get better to be a better hockey player. And I think that Dubuque really like sets it up so that you are college ready. And when you get there, you're not in shock and you're ready to play and get your schoolwork done. So that's what I'm looking forward to. And that's what I've learned from Dubuque and my brother. Uh, take us inside a little bit. Because just out of curiosity, 
when you guys get a chance to watch games, okay, I know you guys are playing a lot of times at the same time that the college teams are playing. You guys have so many different guys committed to so many different schools. Does a little bit of that seep into the locker room when you guys are on buses or you guys are uh, uh, in some of your downtime? Uh, there's a little bit of it, but in Dubuque, we're not allowed to wear any any logos around the rink or in the locker room. So you can't wear your college logo anywhere around there because they don't want it to be a distraction or a bragging point for other people, which I like because it kind of keeps it silent and knows what team you play for. So on the back of the bus after our games, we'll get on and check the scores. There's a little bit of trash talking, but other than that, it's kind of, it's kind of in the quiet and no one really brags or talks about it. Now, is that just a Dubuque thing or do you know that that goes on in other places? Cause that's, that's something that I, that's not an answer I was expecting. So I'm just curious now, uh, is that common policy or just a Dubuque thing? Do you know? Uh, I'm not sure about other teams. I know a few of my uh, teams in the league that my buddies play on, they're allowed to wear their stuff. But as okay. far as I know of, I it's only Dubuque that does that. But I, I like that. It's a, it's a good respect for the big Dubuque logo. Okay. And uh, speaking of that logo, Coach David told me that that's not only Dubuque, but it stands for development. And uh, a couple of guys that, that were on the team with you um, – Oh, were there before you, I should say, uh, that are now with the uh, the Sun Devil team and Willie Neerum and uh, James Sanchez. Uh, they kind of tabbed Dubuque as also not only development, but as last chance you. Did you hear yeah. that story as well? Uh, I did hear that story. <laughs> I actually, I sat in uh, Willie's stall this year, and when you leave, you get to sign the stall, and below it it says last chance you with Willie's autograph. So that was kind of cool. <laughs> <laughs> cool. Well, that, that's unique in the fact that you come in as a uh, as a high schooler, right? And, and Coach David also told me that you guys uh, have an average age of about 18, so that means you got half below and half above is what he told me. But um, how is that mix and, and how is that blending in with everybody and, and how do you find success that way? Uh, I think it blends in well. The, the older guys obviously take charge and kind of take the younger guys under their belt. And they just kind of teach them the way. And if they need help in school, they're there for it. We have uh, this thing called Saint School where everyone gets together. And if you got school, you go over it. If not, you work on other things. And it's just the program's obviously set up just so you succeed in the classroom. And then you can get on with your work for hockey. And it's, I think it's unbelievable. Okay, so when you're when – you're- there and you're you're playing like let's take last year which was crazy right um and i got a little bit of a feel from from coach as well about how your season ended you guys were preparing for a game uh you're on the road um you found out that the pandemic was gonna at least temporarily cancel your season um and then you had to bus back uh what went through your head as that was going on could you really comprehend that what was happening in the world no none of us really knew so we we played Waterloo on a Wednesday night, and then that night we drove straight from our rink uh, to Youngstown through the night. We got there in the morning. Uh, I think we went to Starbucks that morning for breakfast. And then we went to the rink, and we kind of heard rumors that we weren't going to be playing, and other teams are already shut down. And we got on the ice, I think it was around noon, and 
probably 45 minutes in, our media guy comes down and like calls the coach over and then we get called in and they're like, we're getting off immediately. Right now our season's been postponed and everyone's in the locker room and we're all in shock. We all thought it was like a movie. No one knew what was happening. We loaded up the bus. They told us to call our parents, let them know. And then since we drove through the night, the bus driver didn't have any hours left to drive. So we drove about an hour down the road and we stayed in a hotel. There was like all of us jammed in three hotel rooms so the bus driver could sleep. And then we went and got dinner and came back. And then from there, we drove through the night again back to Dubuque. And when we got in Dubuque, it was Friday morning. And I kind of thought, well, this could be my last day at Dubuque Senior High School. So I went straight from the bus to uh, I went home, ate breakfast, and then I went straight to class and I kind of let the teachers know what was happening and they just said like, stay in touch. And then, cause we were going on spring break that next week. And then towards the end of spring break, which was that next week around, I think Wednesday, they gave us a notice that everyone has to leave town immediately. So I packed everything up in an hour and just started driving home and it was, it was a long drive, but no one knew what was happening. So it was good to be back under my own roof and with my parents. Was it a weird drive? Because I know that from personal experience, um, when crazy stuff happens, that that drive can be uh, desolating. You, you feel almost you feel almost alone. Uh, and I'm not trying to, you know, when I drove home from work the, the day at 9/11, it felt really weird, and and there felt like there was nobody on the road. Did you kind of have that same feeling when you were driving home last spring? Yeah, it was it was a little awkward feeling because you didn't know if you were going to be reported back to Dubuque, and obviously that's not a, a close drive. It was almost I think twenty five hours. I stopped in Omaha and then I stopped in Denver and finished the last lap. That was the longest part, and it was a little lonely. I mean, I just turned the music on and just kept it going, try to stay uh, productive while driving. And I, I called my teammates, just FaceTime them, talked to them. I was on the drive, and I called my parents just so I didn't get too bored. But it was a little awkward feeling, but it was also a good feeling because you knew you were going home to your uh, parents. And I it was like a bittersweet feeling that you had to leave and the season was over, but it was also a good feeling because it was such a weird time and you got to go home. But I, I was really hoping we'd get brought back, but – it's unfortunate it didn't happen because we had a good team this year. Now, you say that uh, you had a feeling that this was going to be your last day at the school. Are you done now? Did you, are, do you have your high school diploma? Or uh, do you still have more time to go? I did graduate, but it was, okay. a, little, it was a little weird. It's weird. We, yeah, yeah we, we had it set up so that I could possibly come home and graduate from my school here in Ahwatukee. And with COVID, everything didn't pan out. So then basically I completed one more test through Dubuque Senior through like online. It's a, it's right. called Canvas. Right. And then after that, I, I didn't do any more assignments because it was like you can do more assignments to get your uh, grades up or you can just right. leave them. And you had to like do all this extra work. So I just took that one test, got my one grade up and then right. kind of just left it as is. And then I ended up. Uh, graduated from Dubuque Senior High. They sent me my cap and gown. I had a little sign that went out in front of our house and 
it was kind of a cool experience, but wish we had the graduation. Of course, uh, as uh, somebody who works in, in education, I, I completely understand that. Um, so now what happens when you go back to Dubuque? You don't, have to, you don't have the class element anymore, or will you be taking classes, say, through a, a two-year school, or are you going to have be able to now concentrate on hockey until you get to ASU? Uh, the plan is to take – I believe the NCAA rule is like you only take 11 credits or something like that. So okay. the plan is to take a few uh, college classes depending on how much time I have. And But this first semester we're taking it off because we uh, – obviously there's a return date, but we didn't have that when school started. So we didn't want to jump into it in Dubuque and not be there. So depending on how it goes, we'll see how it goes second semester, but I'm hoping to take a class second semester so I can get a little bit of a jump on it. Okay. Okay, so what we did find out, Riley, is that you do have a report date now. It's October 2nd. Is that correct? Uh, October 1st is report date, and training camp starts October 5th. Okay, and then uh, the hope is that you will start playing some games in November. It's uh, still a little bit up in the air, but it's going to be exciting, I'm sure, for you to get back to Dubuque. I know they had a a summer camp. Were you part of that as well this year? Yeah, I did make the trip up to Dubuque, not a direct flight, so I had to fly into Cedar Rapids. (laughs) And then my billet parents came and picked me up, thankfully. They're they're awesome. They come and do that. And then, yeah, I was there for camp. It was a great experience to see the new guys come in, get got to meet all of them and then also some familiar place uh faces there's about i think there's six returners there so it was good to see all the guys again and it was just awesome to be back in dubuque and a little bit different it was the summer a little (laughs) humidity it was a little warm but it was good so i was told that that uh when you guys got in there that there was nobody allowed in the building besides the guys that were were going through the camp so that had to be a bit strange because i'm sure normally there's some parents or people hanging around watching what's going on so uh you do that you do that in july but at at that point did you think there was a chance you might start on time then still or were you still thinking like yeah we're not sure when this is gonna happen uh i was kind of guessing october i i didn't really know when in october i thought that's when our games were going to start since camp was a little bit later it's normally in the beginning of june but once I left there, I had no clue, and it was, everybody was just guessing from that point on until when they announced return dates. So, yeah, it was good that they announced it. Everyone, they have their schedule now of when they're returning so they can really put the work in, skating on and off the ice. But here in Arizona, it's been hard. The rinks have been shutting down, opening up, but now they've been open for a little bit of time. And my gym just opened up a few weeks ago, so that's good. So everything's going good so far, and hopefully it stays that way until I leave. Okay, here's what I want to know. I want uh, you to tell us what we can expect, uh, not after this season or whatever season it is that you come to Arizona State. What's Riley Stewart going to look like when he puts on that maroon and gold for the first time? What's going to be his strengths? And what do you think he's going to have to work on to uh, continue to improve and get to the top of his game? Uh, I think you can expect a big, strong uh, two-way forward that uh, works hard, competes every single day, practice games. Uh, He'll put the work in to get better, and uh, he'll be a great teammate for his uh, teammates along the way, and he'll be there for everyone. And I think by the time I'll get there, the things I need to work on is obviously skating. You can never work on that too much. And then just creating those plays and uh, 
taking advantage of when the other when the opposing team messes up, just jumping on those chances and uh, capitalizing. Now, last year, uh, you as a right-handed shot more likely played the right wing. Uh, did you go back and forth between the wing and center, or did you stay mostly along the boards? Uh, last year, we had a lot of depth, so I stayed on the right wing the whole year. But um, I actually was a defenseman growing up, and then when I went to the Junior Coyotes, they turned me into a forward. And when I was there, I played center my whole life. So this okay. year was my first year at right wing, so it was a little bit of adjustment. But I I think the way I play, I do prefer playing center, but I, I don't mind being put on the right wing. I mean, you got to be versatile. There's more opportunities that way. Right. As long as you're on the ice, right? It doesn't matter uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> what position, right? Uh, that's yeah. unusual because right-handed shots for defensemen are uh, pretty valued. So – uh, and right-handed centers are too. So uh, you have a, a chance to get back to those things uh, if uh, the situation calls for it. Um, would you rather set up a pretty goal or score one? Uh, I think at this point I'd rather score one. I didn't get one last year, so I, I want that first one. <laughs> All right, the se- let's, let's go for the second one. After you get the first one. What's yeah. <laughs> Still waiting yeah. on that one to come through. Well, that's Hopefully okay. This year. Yeah. <laughs> that was a great answer, Riley. Uh, so when you talk about versatility, uh, your brother was the extreme versatility guy at uh, at ASU last year. I mean, we all looked at Coach Stewart like uh, like Coach Stewart. Uh, Coach Powers, like he had four eyes when he, he said, yeah, we're going to bring uh, Connor Stewart up, make him a forward. We're going like he's a defenseman in CNCAA. I know you need bodies, but and uh, your brother just jumped right in and made the best of it. Then we all started finding out, hey, he used to play forward. <laughs> he used to yeah. he used to do those things. Uh, were you shocked when you heard that that Connor was moving up to play forward? Uh, not really, because when he was in Odessa, he also did that same thing. And the funny part about that is he grew up a forward. I grew up a D, and we both switched at the exact same time, and then. Now I'm a forward and he's a D, but I was not surprised at all. He's got the speed and actually he's got a better uh, goal scoring talent than I do. So I wasn't surprised at all when they put him there. Um, Do you talk to uh, any of the players that have not gotten to ASU yet that are commits just like you are, uh, at least verbally? Um, there are a few players that have committed to enter the same time you have. Do you guys talk? I mean, is that a thing? This, as I tell Scott all the time, some of the uh, off the ice things about college hockey, I'm not used to. Uh, so sometimes I have these questions about those kinds of things. Is that a thing or you guys uh, not speak? I don't really know how it works. So that's why I'm asking. Uh a lot of the other guys that are committed, I played against a lot of them in youth hockey, so I know a few of them, and I've talked to them. I'll like talk to them when I see them. But right. the one that I talk to every day is uh, Josh Stone. He's one of my best buddies. We played together for uh, seven years, I believe. And, yeah, he's a great kid and awesome kid. I, I actually skated with him today. I've been skating with him all summer except when he went to Canada. So that's that's the guy I talk to the most out okay. of the, uh, the commits. Okay. And for those that don't know, Josh is uh, 
over in Chicago, correct? Yeah, he is. He leaves uh, this weekend, I believe. Okay, so so we got a couple of Arizona. I was going to go right to that next, uh, Riley. I want to talk about your time with the Junior Coyotes. Um, I had Steve Potvin. He's a good friend of mine, and, and I had him on our uh, professional hockey podcast a couple of times, and uh, he really ranted and raved about Josh and you about how much you meant to the program and and tell us about Steve Potvin when he was a part of the Junior Coyotes and not just him but all the former NHLers well Shane Doan is a pretty pretty good former NHLer but talk about what that was like and how much that instilled confidence in you guys with the Junior Coyotes as players yeah well it started out with the first coach that brought me there he actually taught me how to skate at Oceanside his name's Mark Siaccio, he's a power skating coach for the Rangers. And he was with the Coyotes in the beginning. He brought me there. He was a great coach. I still skate with him. And then after that, it went to Steve Sullivan and Steve Popman. And they took our team to Quebec, and that was a pretty cool experience. They're both great coaches. I skated with Popman a little bit this summer, and I'm also friends with his son, who's a year younger than me and Josh Stone. And then after that, it moved to... Mark Fritchie, who's the director of the Junior Coyotes, who really helped me out along the way. And then where I believe I took my biggest steps was uh, U15 year when our coaches were Mike DeAngelis and Shane Doan. They really believed in me and gave me that extra foot and like gave me the chances to succeed. And then U16 year, we had those same coaches, and I believe I that's when I took my biggest jump, I think, from 15 to 16, really improved. But all the coaches, they – they always believed in me and they pushed me to get better and they were hard on me, which I like. And I think that's what helped me get to where I am. And without them, I don't know if I'd be here, but they, the junior coyotes do a good job with bringing those uh, good mentors in and teaching kids how to play the game. So Paul, you have a question there? No, go ahead, Scott. To... Go ahead. Go ahead. No, I was just going to ask Riley. Um, so, you know, you think of, playing hockey in the desert Southwest. And over the last five years, since uh, we started this company, it's uh, it's exploded, right? It's exploded everywhere. Uh, the youth levels, the, the girls levels, the uh, AHL, the NHL, the NCAA team. So if, if I were to ask you as a 10 year old Riley Stewart, would you have thought that you would have seen the explosion in hockey in the desert Southwest? Or was that something you hoped for, but didn't really expect it to happen? Uh, I didn't really expect it to happen because at that time we didn't even really have AAA hockey here. I played in Chandler for the the Polar Bears. I don't know if you know them, but that's where I first oh, started. Oh, I do. Was, I do. Yep, <laughs> yep, 15 minutes from home. It was nice, but then we just kind of kept moving up the ladder. But I didn't really expect it. I didn't really see it truly happening until I got to the Junior Coyotes in Scottsdale. And then the cool part was our team kind of like – like set the path. We were the first team to win the uh, district championships and then make to nationals and then the first team to get a medal. So that was kind of a cool part, but no, I would not have expected it, but all it's doing is growing and there's, they're adding another rink in Phoenix, which is cool too. So I like to ask this question of, of all the players that we have on, uh, when you're off the ice, how much, hockey do you pay attention to if you do because some players don't really pay attention if they're not playing and other and other players will watch every second of every game they can get 
Uh, personally, I'm not big into sports. I'm big into like Discovery Channel, but okay, when I'm home, that's fine. When I'm home. My uh, parents they watch sports, so I've been watching <laughs> the playoff games here and there. But if it was my choice, I probably wouldn't be watching it unless it was the Coyotes or if a, a team had a player that I liked a lot. And and that's okay. Like I said, I, I, some play. Some players do and some players don't. This is why we asked the question, because we try to get uh, a little bit of insight off the ice, too. Yeah, I'm, I'm more of a – I'll do the playing and not the watching. I'll play any sport out front, out back, whatever, but I don't know about the watching. I'm not big into that. <laughs> and, uh, do you, you guys just, do you guys, just... do you have those competitions with your brother? Because I know – That's where I, I was uh, going. That's where I was going, my, I'm only two years older than my brother. So we we used to go against each other and everything and, and yeah that's yeah. that's how it is here and I heard on his podcast he said that uh, he <laughs> I knew this pool was basketball <laughs> but I'm sorry that did not happen I beat him in pool basketball <laughs> but I'll give him one thing he still beats me in golf but hopefully someday I'll catch up to him <laughs> that's, uh, that's the, uh, see that's the stuff we uh, like now we're talking <laughs> yeah. Uh, that's okay. The, the, the golf will come. Yeah, hopefully. I don't know. I had to. I had to give up on it this summer. It got too hot. But I don't know. Now the temperature's down for a few days. I might have to get out on the course. Uh, <laughs> you get it? Does Does he beat you off the tee or or? Uh, he beats me everywhere. <laughs> oh, really? All right. Well, listen. listen I'm just asking because uh, you know when I used to play against people that were better golfers than me, it was more about. Uh, once you got off the tee, I could hit the ball 250 yards off the tee. Uh, but after that, I might I had a much better chance if I threw the golf ball because after because otherwise I was in the woods and I was in the rough and the sand traps and all this other stuff. So yeah, I just I have ask. a I have a major slice and he can hit it straight. I think that's the the big factor between us. <laughs> uh, absolutely. So you mentioned the Discovery Channel. So a couple of minutes we got left with you. Uh, Tell us a little bit about what you like to do when it's not hockey. What part of the Discovery Channel are things that you like or are interested in? What do you want to do uh, in your college uh, career besides play the game? Uh, obviously get better at golf, and I, uh, I like going up north with a couple of my buddies. We ride dirt bikes. We, we fish. We do all that stuff. I like going up there. It's a little bit cooler in the summer, so you can enjoy it. And then in college, I'm open – Main focus is obviously school and hockey, and then hopefully I'll get out on the course a bit. If I'm here with my brother, we can do a little matchup. But other than that, i just hanging out with family, and that's the great part about going to Arizona State is I have my family only 15, 20 minutes away, and my grandparents, so I get to see them. I can come home for some home-cooked meals, and it's just that's the awesome part about playing here. Well, I know everybody in the desert Southwest is, is looking forward to seeing you put that maroon and gold on. And uh, uh, I'm hoping I'm going to get a chance to see you in Dubuque one day too, before it's all over with. Cause I was sold in that building. I got to tell you when I walked in there, it was fantastic. So uh, good luck this season. Let's hope you get all your games in. Let's hope it all goes safely. I know uh, coach David has got big plans. I know he's got big plans for you personally. He told me that. So uh Get ready if you don't know it already. He's got uh, he's got some work stuff for you. <laughs> awesome, yeah. Thank you very much for having me. Uh, thanks All for right. coming on, man. All right, folks. That's another Arizona State recruit. That's uh, Riley Stewart, the younger brother of Connor Stewart, joining us uh, on College Hockey 
Southwest Weekly as we talk uh, NCAA hockey. We also tonight talking USHL hockey and talking about the growth of the game in the desert Southwest. We're going to take next a quick time, break. What's next, that time do, next time do we get them both on so they can trash talk to each other? Because <laughs> well, I'll just sit back and listen to that because I, I you know, I'm okay You'd with love that. love that, wouldn't you? You would absolutely wow. love that. No, do I sound like I'm the kind of guy that would like that? <laughs> I love it. Okay, let's take a quick break here from some of our partners, and then Paul and I will come back and wrap up another episode of College Hockey Southwest Weekly. Ask any hockey player in the desert Southwest, and they'll all tell you the same thing. We love going to the rink and sandals. Now you can show off your game and style with summer skates. Officially licensed summer skates are comfortable, washable, and can be designed to show off your fandom. Bill Kessel, your guy? Big William Carlson fan, or is Austin Matthews the man? Have your summer skates designed to show off your favorite NHL player, or shout out your own game with your own number. Team discounts and customization available too for groups of 12 or more. Thirsty after getting off the ice, our new koozies are perfect for keeping that cold one cold in the desert heat. Comfortable and durable, show up to the rink in style. An authorized retailer of summer skates, you can purchase yours through our website at icetimehockeysw.com. Looking for your next car? Head out to 2401 West Bell Road in Phoenix and stop in at Bell Ford, the Arizona Ford Giant. Come in and check out our great deals on the remaining 2020 Fords, as well as the new 2021 models just arriving like the new E450 pickup truck during our summer outdoor and SUV sale. Voted the number one Ford dealer in Arizona by Ranking Arizona, we will do what it takes to make your car buying experience safe and convenient. Shop online at bellford.com. We'll bring everything to you on your schedule. Schedule a test drive. Need a repair? We'll come pick up your vehicle and bring it back to you. Our sales and service professionals are ready to help in any way to make sure you are happy and satisfied. Go online to bellford.com or call us at 602-866-1776 and let us show you why we've been the dealership that keeps Shane Doan coming back year after year. Hey, Michael here from M-Drive. My dad, a world-class scientist, actually made M-Drive for himself to stay active and continue enjoying life. And yes, M-Drive supports healthy testosterone, but it's so much more. M-Drive is the everyday supplement to fuel your drive with more energy and more strength. Listen, we'd love for you to try M-Drive too. Visit mdriveformen.com and we'll give you 20% off your first purchase. Just type in the code DRIVE at checkout. You find your prime with M-Drive. At the heart of any good cocktail is the quality of the spirit used. And if you want to make the best margaritas, or if you just want a straight shot of the best tasting tequila, then Roger Klein's Cancion Tequila is the brand for you. Award-winning Roger Klein's Cancion Tequila has the taste you want to make perfectly blended cocktails, whether you're celebrating an overtime game winner with friends or relaxing by the pool after a long work day. Find your bottle, be it in Arizona or elsewhere in the U.S., Visit us at MexicanMoonshine.com. Roger Klein's Cancion Tequila. Award-winning taste since 2011. 
I can't wait to get to Las Vegas and check out the fortress. Going to see the Golden Knights? No. Stopping at Jesse Ray's Barbecue for lunch. Oh, that fortress. That combination of brisket, hot links, fries, back... Exactly. Jesse Ray's Barbecue. Located at 5611 South Valley View Boulevard, right behind the Mandalay Bay Hotel. Check out their pulled pork, smoked chicken, or the fall off the bone baby back ribs. Jesse Ray's Barbecue has been voted the best barbecue in Las Vegas two years running. So whether it's a midday meal or a pregame feast, head to Jesse Ray's Barbecue for all their award-winning tastes. All right, we're back. Scott Strandy joining you tonight on College Hockey Southwest Weekly from beautiful Kansas City, Missouri. Yeah, that's right, Kansas City, Missouri, as I'm working my way back from Minnesota. Paul Hornstein, my co-host as always, from beautiful Long Island, New York. And Paul, just your thoughts on Riley Stewart and just how uh, important he's going to be as a Sun Devil down the road, whenever that might be. Well, listen, anytime you can get a player that's staying home and is good enough to play at that level. And we assume that by the time Riley is putting on a jersey, uh, they'll be uh, at some point during that season, hopefully he'll be in a building and they'll be in a conference. So, you know, at at that point, you know, everybody's going to have to step up their game. It'll be, uh, uh, you know, and anytime you can get, like I said, anytime you can get an Arizona kid that's good enough to play at that level, that can only be nothing but positive. There's no downside. There's no downside to it. Totally agree with you on that. And uh, how about if we bring him in and and chain Downs' son Josh at the same time? There's a couple of pretty pretty solid uh, future NCAA hockey players from, from the state of Arizona. So that can't hurt your program. And if you bring them into a brand new building, as we all hope is right down the road and uh, you bring them into a conference and, and see what they can do. I mean, goodness gracious. I mean, can you ask and coach powers ask for anything better than that as far as recruiting and fan support and, and, and uh, partnership from sponsors. I mean, it, it just brings the entire community in and, uh, we all know that uh, once NCAA hockey gets in their building and they can seat more people, there will be more people. Yeah, and you know that's part of the the equation that that, as I mentioned during uh, the interview, uh, that I have not quite gotten down yet. Uh, guys commit to the school and they're expected to come in one year, and then maybe they come in a year later uh, with with the pandemic now and, and the possibility since they did it for the fall sports uh, that, that winter sports athletes might get an extra year. Uh, we know that ASU has a lot of seniors on their team this year. Uh, and if just say for argument's sake, five of those kids come back uh, because of the pandemic, that obviously will change uh, people's entry dates into the in, into the program, or or you know, just make a much bigger roster and a much more competitive roster. Uh, like I said, I, I, I'm not quite sure how the logistics of those things would work. Uh, you know, the next time we have the coach on, uh, he probably will have an idea uh, based on 
on what they've done with the fall sports because you would have to, I think, have to adjust the roster limits if you're granting kids an extra year. You know, one would think so, but we're talking NCAA here, and they're not always the uh, yeah, but we, most you, accommodating. <laughs> no, but at the same time, you know, when they do do the right thing and giving people the option for the extra year based on what's going on, you got to give them credit too. You know, I oh, don't, yeah. I, no, I don't I'm mind. Not... I don't mind bashing the NCAA. That's easy. <laughs> A lot of people do that. Uh, but no, I'm not, you know, I'm not you got to give credit where credit is due too. Yeah, they definitely deserve the credit. I'm not. I'm not trying to take that away from them because that is a bold move, and I like that. But there's so many things in NCAA hockey and NCAA sports in general. You have to consider the number of players. You have to consider the travel and the equipment, and you got to consider the scholarships. How do you break down your scholarships? Is it, is well, it one your deal where you get multiple scholarships uh, added in, or, or do you? I, I mean, I don't. Well, know. that's what I'm it, talking about. Let's just use my example again. Five kids decide to stay and play that extra year because they were granted that extra year. Those five kids, you know, so, assuming so, they continue to meet the eligibility requirements, if the scholarship limit is, say, 25, and I'm just pulling numbers, it's, yeah. it's somewhere in their neighbor. But let's use 25 yeah. to make it nice round numbers. Okay. You, you would, it, it, it would make sense that the NCAA would say, okay, those five kids that we granted the extra year do not count towards that scholarship limit. Yeah, I, I understand that part of it, but now you got another problem because now you got five extra kids, which means you got thirty. They're not going to change a number that can dress or, or play on any. Well that's night. that's a different that's a different story. That's we're not talking yeah. about that. That's not the same thing. That is <laughs> completely a different story. And but, if I'm a coach, I'm, I don't want the NCAA telling I mean, listen, if they want to give me an extra spot or two on the if they fit on the bench in any bench, yeah. it doesn't matter. It's, you know what what building. Uh, that's a completely different story. But the the two I would think go hand in hand. And maybe I'm asking a question that doesn't get asked or no one's thought to ask about the scholarship limits. So, like I said, the next time we get the coach on or a coach doesn't have to necessarily be. <laughs> Right powers, but uh, that's a question that I'd like to ask if there's been any talk about that because I don't know how you can do one without the other. Yeah, I, I'm almost certain there has to be. It's going to be curious to see what his response is going to be, and it would even be more fun to find out uh, what players would hang around. Would say a guy like a Johnny Walker would he stay another year? Um, would he move on? I mean, we already saw Josh Maniscalco who had two years left decided to move on. Um, you know, I, there's so many questions to it, but uh, that's for another show. Hopefully, it'll be a soon show. And we get Coach Powers on and, and figure out, uh, to kind of pick his brain as to what's been going on and what is going on down the road. I know we've got building questions for him. We've got conference questions for him. We got schedule questions for him. So, oh, he gets I mean, those every day, though. So let's let's, <laughs> let's not make it seem like like we're the only ones that ask these questions because I oh, guarantee you, and you oh, already know this. Yes, that yes, those are the easy questions to ask. Yeah, I You're know, not going to get the answers, but they're still <laughs> the easy questions to ask. And for anybody that knows you, they know that you have a notebook of the hard questions to ask. <laughs> and uh, you sometimes, will, yeah, you'll have them. You'll have them lined up if you need them. If um, I need them. So we know things are getting somewhat back to normal. When we had Jess Myers on last week, he he toyed with that thought about, um, hey, maybe um, 
the Big Ten decides that they're going to go to a bubble. They're going to play a bubble in Notre Dame or at Notre Dame. Um, we didn't have a chance to talk much about that towards the end, but we don't have much time now either. But what, what were your thoughts when that came up? Is, is that feasible for one year? Uh, anything. Listen, anybody that says anything is not feasible in 2020 hasn't been paying attention because there's a lot of things I didn't think were possible. <laughs> I agree. And, and are happening in 2020. Uh, so, uh, you know, if, if they can, you know, we've, we've already uh, had the discussion, you know, cause I brought it up last week about uh, Jess's interview with Bob Motzko. Right. In his head, they want to play 34 games. So yep. clearly, clearly some of that has to be in that quote-unquote bubble-type situation, at least for some of the conference stuff. I don't know what they're going to do, what, 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 what they're talking about for non-conference things. But, you know, it, you would think at least conference-wise – it would be more logistically possible. You do it during the, the Christmas break. You do it during uh, spring break. Uh, you squeeze your non-conference games in between then. I, I, I don't know how you would do that. Uh, take another long weekend since, you know, a lot of kids are doing stuff online because of travel and, 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 and other things. So, uh, maybe there are other ways to work around it. I, I, I'm not obviously privy to uh, that kind of conversation. Uh, I can speculate. I'm good at that. And you can speculate. <laughs> I'm but, good at that. <laughs> you know, I can uh, predict. You want me to predict? Well, predict no, because <laughs> then if you're you know where I'm that, going, don't me, you? If don't you're you know where I'm that, going? Let Let me know, because then I'll go the other way. Just because. <laughs> okay. um, but, Let me know when you want that magic number. Yeah, one. Uh, <laughs> I don't, you know, so we, it is, all we can do is wait and see. Right. It's, like I said, it's fun to speculate and, and, and try to read between the lines. But in the end, we can't do anything but wait and see what happens anyway. All right, I'm going to let you wrap things up with your read here in just a second, but I will tell you that the Golden Knights are three minutes and 37 seconds away from a 3 nothing shutout of Dallas, and the third period started for Dallas with a college hockey player from Minnesota. Um, not a, Okay, he's a Minnesota native that played college hockey. Uh, Mr. Ottinger was in net for Dallas, so um, it's 3 nothing Vegas. I think we he all expect that Vegas is coming back. Yeah, he did go to PU. He was pretty darn good at PU as well. Yes, he was. Uh, so uh, we'll leave it at that. Uh, your Islanders get a chance for redemption like the Golden Knights did tonight, tomorrow night. Yeah, listen, so. you know, people are are saying, wow, they got crushed. So what? It's still – if they lose one nothing or 100 to nothing, it's still one game. So Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And we all knew that, or at least I knew, that the Vegas Golden Knights are going to come out with this type of effort. Um, their effort, it hasn't been the issue. The issue has been uh, – for them, has been just consistent um, – offense you know they they got guys that that need to play under a little bit more structure and when they start getting a little helter skelter and shooting the puck wildly uh just because they think if we put 45 shots on net we're going to score a couple times uh that's not the case in the nhl with the nhl caliber goaltenders okay off my soapbox for that uh take away the read and let's say good night college hockey southwest weekly has been brought to you by 
Bell Ford, voted the best Ford dealer in Arizona. The Arizona Ford Giant is the presenting partner of the Sunday special. Asked to see our friend Kevin Wood and tell him, Ice Time Hockey SW sent you to see the top line of Ford trucks and more. Cold beers and cheeseburgers. Dining rooms in accordance to CDC guidelines are open in all 12 Valley locations and the ones in California. Visit coldbeers.com for more information. Buy T-Mobile, home of America's largest 5G network. See Andre in the Paradise Valley store at Shea and Tatum and let him show you how the power of the new T-Mobile can work for you. Now you can bring the best of Las Vegas home. Stop by Jesse Ray's Barbecue at 5611 South Valley View Boulevard in Las Vegas and pick up a bottle of three of our championship barbecue sauces and take them home. Buy Summer Skates. Your team can design its own logo and show it off with pride on our koozies and shower shoes. Team discounts are available. Go to icetimehockeysw.com slash partners and click on the Summer Skates banner. Behind the Mask for all your hockey needs. Visit any of our three locations or go to BehindTheMask.com. By College Bar and Grill in Tempe. By ASU fans for ASU fans. Oceanside Ice Arena. Learn to play hockey sessions are back for kids and kids at heart. See OceansideIceArena.net for more details. Roger Klein's Cancion Tequila. Score a Roger Klein hat trick. Go to MexicanMoonshine.com and try each of our three styles of the best tasting tequila. By OxyPow. Visit our full line of natural cleaning products at oxypow.com. Buy M-Drive. Go to M-Drive for men and try our new Relax Supplement for better sleep. M-Drive, the presenting partner of What Drives You, M-Drive for energy, stamina, and recovery. Buy the Ice Dens, Scottsdale and Chandler. College Hockey Southwest Weekly and all of the Ice Time Hockey SW podcasts are live every week on the Podbean app and available for download at the iTunes Store, Podbean, the Google Play Store, Spotify, Stitcher, and iHeartRadio. Also, newly available on the TuneIn app, just ask Alexa to turn on your ITHSW podcasts. College Hockey Southwest Weekly is a part of the IcetimeHockeySW.com network. Very well done, as usual, my friend. As we uh, say goodnight tonight, I will remind you, it's Club Hockey Southwest Weekly tomorrow, 730 Pacific time. I will be somewhere in Colorado, I believe, tomorrow night for the broadcast as I work my way back home, eventually getting there after a stop in Vegas and checking out the new Henderson facility. And of course, join us, uh, Paul, Zach, and myself uh, on Sunday night for Pandemic Playoff Podcast episode number five. So for uh, Riley Stewart, we thank him for joining us from the Dubuque Fighting Saints and soon to be an Arizona State Sun Devil, com- well, he's a commit, soon to be a player, we hope. And uh, my co-host, Paul Hornstein on Long Island, Scott Strandy saying goodnight from beautiful Kansas City, Missouri tonight. Have a Have good a night. night. Bye-bye.